Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Jen. I'm Natalie. I'm Ginny. And we are the Art History Babes. Together once again yes, for are. spooky season. Ooh. Our favorite yeah. season. We're together on a, a very chilly, spooky autumn night. Just kidding. It's like fucking 80 degrees. It is I like 80 degrees. I was sweating on my way over <laughs> Me here too. in the car in this black shirt. I was like, God damn it. And your leather <laughs> shorts. <laughs> They're so cool. Nat came in looking like a fucking cool person. Nat walked into this house wearing like this oversized black shirt with like gold chains and like leather shorts and leather boots. And I was like, where's your motorcycle? Yeah. Where's your boyfriend named (laughs) Gus? Butch. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. (laughs) Gus. I don't know. I like Gus the best. I like Gus too. Um, anyway, you look great, and Thanks. I'm just jealous. Yeah, I'm wearing like 75% leather pants. That's but awesome. without the pants. <laughs> <laughs> because it's warm, too. I mean, it is. Anyway. Warmer than I expected, for Climate sure. change is very real, and um, we're fine, I guess. We're still for here. Now, you know. For now, we're fine. Yeah. You know. But um, I hope everyone's having a super fun, super awesome uh, Halloween season and uh, today we're going to just talk about some good old-fashioned spooky stuff yeah we were, we were like what should we do what should we do this year because we've done we've covered many many mm-hmm. uh, like Halloween adjacent Halloween thematic top like topics mm-hmm. you know haunted paintings witches um, the dev like Art and murder, art and murder, uh, et cetera, et cetera. What is left? And then we were like, "Well, there's always more to uncover." Yeah, we got to thinking about some just regular ass monsters, and <laughs> a big part of our whole shtick here with the art history babes is that visual culture is huge, and so it's huge uh, it's humongous it's it's everything <laughs> and so we were thinking about just some archetypal monsters that we see in our popular media they're like the basic bitches of monsters truly mm-hmm. truly That's what we're gonna be touching on today yeah oh, but you know who i'm realizing we didn't include hmm. which we can yeah 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 next year yeah yeah, yeah. 
So originally this episode was going to be zombies, vampires, and werewolves. Oh my. Um, because I just liked how that sounded. But we decided to do aliens instead because <laughs> really, just, I just decided. <laughs> Natalie on my was own like, and you know, everyone else let me. <laughs> Natalie was like, werewolves aren't really speaking to me, but I'm thinking about they aliens. Weren't. I don't know. Aliens have been on the brain. There was just something more there. But there's something that unites them all, which is this uncanny valley. Like they are all either used to be human or some kind of human-like creature because with aliens we don't know what aliens would look like right Right. Right. yes they could look like nothing they could look like nothing our human brains could ever perceive yeah yeah but in our popular retellings of the alien phenomenon the aliens are usually humanoid creatures and this that is very disturbing. And I think that that plays into my fear. I have a huge fear of aliens. You do. I am very I afraid. I can't wait to get to this. I yeah, didn't know that either. We're going to talk about this. But yeah. when I was a little kid in that horrible movie, uh, Mars Signs? Attacks oh. came out. <laughs> I don't even remember that one. Horrible movie. I, this was my Jaws. Jaws did this. Jaws and Gremlins fucked me up. Man. Mars Attacks is supposed to be like a funny movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's got those terrible aliens with the like the skull faces and the they have these giant oversized brains that come out of their skulls and these huge exclamation point at the end of the title. Yes. And these huge um, unlidded eyeballs. And they're so oh, yeah, I'm looking scary. Oh, I'm it. looking. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh. oh, my God. This and- reminds me of that comedian. There's a comedian who does uh, ventriloquist dummies. Mm-hmm. And he has one that kind of looks like this. I Those, think I know like, who you're talking about. Yes. I don't remember the name. But yeah. And the worst part is that they go. Is the sound that the aliens make. And I was maybe 10 or 11 years old when this movie came out. And so the previews would just play on TV. Oh, I remember the movie poster like i remember the design of that very girl i used to get so scared so anyway that was my big monster as a kid what was your scary monster when you guys were kids Hmm. um this is super random and weird but um the movie chitty chitty bang bang oh yeah (laughs) the car not the car (laughs) though that was that was alarming um (laughs) It was, there was a guy in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang who like kidnapped kids. Like he would trap kids in like a net. I don't even like my child. It was like a cage, right? Yeah. Like a child cage. Yeah. That's very scary. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And like my child brain remembers him as being like hunchbacked and like green. But I don't even know if that's like actually accurate let's take it to the google um but that really scared me mm-hmm. really scared mm-hmm. me um as a kid and especially because he was like ki- you know taking kids and i was like you know we were all raised in that time of like coming out of the 80s where like Dude. before mm-hmm. people weren't worried about strangers and we were that like first i think like really sure. that first like child is. generation that was like yeah Here, he was yeah. okay he wasn't as bad as actually that's, that's pretty, pretty fucking terrifying. Scary. let me yeah. see he was just a man. No, he, he looks terrifying. Looks, He's yeah. a he, that's a horrible man. Horrible, horrible. It's a horrible man. Oh god. What about you, Nat? Um. Okay, so I already alluded a little bit, but Jaws 
fucked me up. So and like that's a deep little, water. Yeah, tangential yeah. to what we're talking about. And then but that's super. That's super fair. And I feel like Jaws. Like not only does that evoke fears of like being attacked by a shark, but it's also like that very real fear. Like I have a fear of like being in water where. I can't see what's underneath me. Exactly. That's just like yeah. a very inherently eerie thing yes. where you're swimming, yeah. you're exposed, you're vulnerable, and you never know what could be yeah. just under that. I think it's called like thassalophobia or something. Thas- it's real and I have it. And then the other sure. one was Gremlins. Oh, oh yeah. Which I watched <clears throat> way too, too close. <laughs> well, too young and too close to getting a Furby. And this oh. is like one of my mom's favorite stories oh. because no. like at the time I think I was still pretty little she was very much proud of the fact that like she went and waited outside of Toys R Us like the uh oh to get you a Furby yes oh like waited and you were scared of it line, and then I got it and was fucking terrified <laughs> of it and, yeah. yeah I yeah. had like watched Gremlins with my cousin on my dad's side of the family and then my poor mom was like well fuck me like i got you this gift you really wanted oh, and now you hate it yeah um, so i was I just, scared of my furby when i was a kid too that shit yeah. would talk in the middle of the night I, I would put you'd put a hat over it so because it had the sensors yeah so you'd have to make sure it like was off and to do that you'd have to block its little, little i was scared eyes. yeah oh boy Oof. yeah um, i mean childhood fears are real real. and but the i don't know we'll talk about it but aliens be our next episode yeah Mm -hmm. aliens never left me though like i'm still like oh like when i think about getting abducted yeah man um the common yeah these monsters that threaten bodily harm all of them so i guess well, let's get started. Let's let's do that. Oh my gosh! I'm excited to to get into this zombie zombie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> listen to that song. I've got a lot of songs in me today. Oh, that's, that's a real a, song. It is. That's a real it's song. By, um, the cranberries. Yeah, it's like know. about zombie, um, zombie. The, like the IRA in in Ireland, like oh, in the nineties, mm-hmm. and uh, the music video is uh haunting yeah 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 zombies <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe, maybe we'll do a spotify playlist based on this episode. we should that we should that song. yeah and also just like the random songs that i've been exactly just i'm like a parrot i'm just like singing songs you are and it's sounds. like a like a shuffle just like boom boom one to the next <laughs> who knows where where the point of origin is but no, we love it nobody knows um yeah i've been thinking about zombies and um, so today we're going to get a little bit into the history of the zombie as a monster, as this mythological being. Okay, so the zombie is a mythological, undead, corporeal revenant <laughs> created through the reanimation of a corpse. So that is all horrifying. The idea that you can bring the dead back to life and not only are they alive again but they're essentially slaves they're like under the control of whoever brought them back and and usually they mean to inflict harm um so the term zombie uh traces its roots back to haitian rural folklore and Mm. um the voodoo religion uh and so uh, in this folklore zombies functioned 
in this religious narrative as the product of dark magic. Hmm. And so zombies, uh, originally, the Haitian zombies, uh, where this term originates, were not these violent uh, kind of ravenous flesh eaters. Um, They were slaves. Um, So the dead person would be physically revived through an act of necromancy by a bokor, um, which is a sorcerer or witch. And the zombie remains under the control of the bokor as a personal slave. And so it has no will of its own. Um, And so like this zombie myth um, was used actually in Haitian uh, slave plantations to keep the slaves afraid Mm. of potentially um, any uprisings or Mm -hmm. anything because the fear was that um, if they died and said uprising, they would anger some kind of God that would then uh, leave them uh, vulnerable to being resuscitated as a zombie who would then have to continue to do hard labor as a slave. so screwed Isn't that horrible? That's like, it's like flipping the whole heaven hell narrative again. Yeah to meet your purposes exactly um and so this is not a shock right if you consider the origins of haitian culture the marriage of west african religious practices and catholic icons mixed with the slavery the colonialism and ultimately revolution of the haitian peoples um who we won't get into it but the the haitian revolt uh, is probably the most successful slave revolt in history. Uh, and the country of oh. Haiti has never ceased to be punished for that mm. revolt mm. Um, yeah. today. So yeah. that's a whole thing. It's really sad. Mm. But the Haitian voodoo zombie uh, is associated with enslavement. And so that is a... Uh, the idea of returning to enslavement is a terrifying concept for a society that was founded on the overthrow of colonial rule. Mm. And so this figure of the Haitian zombie first attracted, this is interesting, widespread international attention during the United States occupation of Haiti, um, which was from 1915 to 1934. And that's when a number of these case histories of purported zombies began to emerge in the United States. Um, Most notably in the work of an author, William Seabrook, his book, The Magic Island of 1929. Mm. Um, He wrote a lot of racist shit um, about the various voodoo practices that he observed in Haiti. And that included an account of zombies, um, which he described as these resurrected corpses that would be raised from the dead by a master figure and forced to do enslaved labor. There was this really good movie. It was called like the, the serpent, hmm. the rainbow serpent or something. Hmm. <sighs> Damn it. I got to look it up because there's this really popular zombie movie. Um, that is about this whole history. Uh, I'm looking it up right now. Zombie movie. <laughs> <laughs> history. Um, the Serpent and the Rainbow. Hmm. Um, directed by Wes Craven. Oh. Uh, watch it sometime. Um, but it's hmm. interesting that 
um, there's a lot of theories about how a zombie can be made. Uh, so there's necromancy and just right. straight up magic. Right. But then there's this, there are reports that people claim have happened where um, one of these sort of like witches or uh, dark magicians would make a concoction mm-hmm. of a variety of different plants and chemicals and things and make a powder that you could then blow onto somebody right and essentially turn them into this zombie and then so the person's all catatonic and then they would bury them in Mm -hmm. like you know like oh it's they've been buried they're dead but then later they come and bury they take the body out the person never actually died um and then they're all kind of catatonic and all fucked up because they got poisoned essentially and then that is like the zombie um i don't know if that's real if that's ever been done but Mm. anyway it's in this movie um the serpent and the rainbow watch it it's a weird movie so that's a little bit about the historical zombie um but images of the dead that um associated with the living have existed for centuries so this idea of like dead humans interacting with living humans like we've had that that imagery in our popular culture for millennia right 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 um and so in western art history this sort of ubiquitous presence of death dominated um during the medieval up to i mean through the enlightenment Mm -hmm. and not surprisingly because you know 13th century everyone's dying of plagues everyone was dying you know it was Mm -hmm. i think i've heard somewhere that the 13th and 14th century were just like the worst time to live yeah as humans worst time to be alive yeah in terms of your life expectancy right now because i think people like to try and evoke that i know right dude right yeah but i think it was a good reminder bad and like you know we think about like our our current plague and it has lasted much longer than anyone initially would have thought but like the plagues that were happening in the medieval era like those would last for years years and years and would decimate large millions of people of population millions of people not to downplay what we have now because it is significant and it is what we're not what we're not downplaying because we have technological advances that yeah. have now helped us to exactly. save lives just, exactly. a, just a reminder to people right. That, right we have things now that actually make a difference but um i digress like, yeah because like during you know like the black the bubonic plagues like y- your best chance of that was like fucking stuffing like roses in your yeah someone would come in and like a big a big in a mask beak. with a beak because they can very scary and like terrifying. i'm sorry but I, if i am dying if i'm covered in buboes <laughs> i don't want that guy coming in to touch on me I'm because that's no what they did. They that. would they would poke and yeah. they would pry. They would drain the the boobos. Uh, that's well, the name of the big. Alone. Don't I know. touch my boobos. Unhand my boobos. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible. Horrible time to be alive. Um, and so because everyone was just dropping dead all the time and nobody knew why. Which is, I think that's what makes it especially scarier is just... Oh, for sure. No one knew why it was happening. It's why religion was so popular is because sure. people needed 
sorry, I'm gonna upset some people with this, but it's true. <laughs> went right in. Well, in um some of the earliest examples of pogroms against Jewish people trace back to the Black Death because no one knew why it was happening. Everyone so wants a scapegoat. Blame it on the Jews because the Jews were a group that were they were bathing, which yep. the medieval the average medieval person Christian believed that bathing was sinful yeah. because Jesus. it was like you're touching your body this mm-hmm. is true it is um and so jews were singled out because they weren't getting the plague as much and <laughs> so they were ob- hygienic because they were taking yeah. a bath yeah so it was obviously because of them oh <sighs> yikes guys this just goes to show well i mean i digress we're not talking <laughs> about the black plague but what we are talking about is that this um, rich allegorical language of like death amongst the living really took hold in Western art history in the medieval period. Um, so artists would translate this traumatic experience of just survival during these times into art. And so the walking dead rose up as a prominent element in art. So many of these figures were uh, usually portrayed in like religious taboos. Uh, So martyrs are the big ones. Sure, sure. Um, So martyrs are uh, Christian, uh, early Christians uh, who usually died in some horrible way, but representing the faith, the Christian faith. And so images of martyrs usually indicate how they were killed. And you could find some kind of symbol of how they were killed on their person. Uh, So, for example, like a clergy member who was stoned to death might be depicted with a rock balanced on their head. Beautiful. Or like an individual who was stabbed to death might be seen with like a cleaver buried Mm. in their skull, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, such as the case of St. Peter. Images of St. Peter usually show him with like a big ass like machete just through the top of his dome. um, And there's blood and he looks pallid and he looks dead. He does very much look like a zombie but he's you know this is from this image right here that we're looking at is from a large altarpiece by bergognone i don't know how to say his name bergognone there you go from the uh renaissance period another popular saint that would have been depicted in a gruesome way (laughs) was saint bartholomew who was flayed alive and so images of St. Bartholomew. I remember St. Bart for that. I mean, that's sure. memorable. I mean, Oof. yeah. Oof. The most famous, I think, being the, uh, what's it called? Last Judgment. The Last Judgment. Michelangelo. With Michelangelo. Yes. That's, who, who is it? So in? Michelangelo, the, the, the myth, I don't know if it's true or not, is that he depicted St. Bartholomew holding his own flayed flesh but it's a, a self-portrait yeah. of mm-hmm. michelangelo okay, um so the apostle saint bartholomew here by matteo de giovanni um <laughs> i cannot say giovanni. i'm sorry to our italian listeners no you're saying it i right. just can't help it it's too fun <laughs> 
he's shown here holding his flayed skin and he's wearing it like a shawl. Yes, like he's yeah. wearing, like someone would wear like a little fox. Yeah. yeah. And in, in the front, you can see it's like his foot skin. Mm-hmm. It's really gnarly. It's, which though, like I would again like to like draw the parallel to a little like fox. Uh, sure. What are those called? Stoles. Uh, Stoles. Yeah. yeah. And then a little feet literally yeah. hang in mm-hmm. the front. Mm-hmm. This is like an aesthetic painting of this red man because he has no skin right Um, because initially it's really not like that jarring when you first look at it sure you just think he's wearing all red yeah you're like oh he's painted red like he's got a red body okay and then you look closer and it's like oh oh Oh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like he's not all sinewy, you know. There's some way more brutal ones of Hell Saint yeah, Bartholomew that I didn't include mm-hmm. um because I could just talk about Saint Bartholomew for a whole podcast, but sure. We got to do like martyrs. That would be very interesting. Yeah, that would, be, that would be very interesting. I think a martyr episode would be really fun because there are so many of them and they died and in gruesome ways. And their iconography is really interesting. Like what you were talking yeah. about, like, you know, the ways in which they are called out is like, hey, I'm Saint mm-hmm. whatever. And like one of them is like, um, I think it it might be St. Catherine who was like killed on like a wheel, like where she was yes. like, on a yeah. wheel and, str- and like her iconography is fucking wild. So yeah, yes. we should do that. That'd be dope. Um, St. Denis. Denis. Was decapitated <laughs> and he is depicted usually holding his own head. Cool. Um, and the story goes that he was decapitated. He picked up his own head, sure. walked seven miles and gave a sermon like who holding else was his gonna decapitated do it? head who else was gonna do it it's amazing i mean he <laughs> wow. was dedicated he's like i got a sermon to be at yeah and Bro. i'm gonna get there got somewhere to be sermons to give we'll do martyrs because this there he is look at him just fucking trucking along with his head just like so get weird. out of my and way and that's another one that they have like really um <laughs> brutal paintings of where mm-hmm. there's just blood like just coming out of his nub and he's just like gotta pick up my head <laughs> it's crazy this would be a good yeah next year maybe we do martyrs we'll do cool. martyrs martyrs and movies that fucked us up yeah <laughs> but um aside from images of martyrs um the image of a dead a dead man <laughs> of animated corpses um that has been with us for a very long time the um the dance of death mm-hmm is a very popular um, allegory of the it's it falls into the topic of memento mori um, but more than that it's usually I think it must have just been fun to make <laughs> these works and just show like skeletons or decomposing corpses fun. dancing around dance usually shown interacting with the living And the living are not like super stoked to have them around, but are also kind of like, oh, you know, like it's it's, not so bad. They're here. Um, So, and then, of course, Memento Mori is something that we talk about a lot on this podcast. And so ways in which Memento Mori are represented in art sometimes are very subtle. Um, Listen to our Memento Mori. Speaking of subtle Memento Mori. What do you got there? No school. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. my god. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> How did I miss that? I know. In the pocket. Oh. oh, Nat has a really cool pin. Nat's on her pin game. She got me this memory. like really cool Tom of Finland pin, which is someone you should look up, and I'm really excited about it. 
We'll share it all to close friends. Yeah. Anyway, so Memento Mori, um, like I said, sometimes the Memento Mori, this idea of remembering you will die, um, that's it can be very subtle. It can be like rotten fruit mm-hmm. on a plate. Mm-hmm. Or in the case of this painting by Giovanni Martinelli, death comes to the banquet table. It's literally just a skeleton showing up like, <laughs> hey, dude, it's time to go. Like yeah. Everyone looks horrified. Everyone's pissed. <laughs> and honestly, this woman here in the middle is pissed. She's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, we're yeah. literally eating pie. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, how right. dare and so that's a little bit about images of, of death incarnate in um, some art history. But one thing I really wanted to talk about with zombies is the association of the zombie figure associated with pandemics. Yes. And viruses and yes. viral contagion. And so this plays directly into the history of the zombie in um, especially the United States, because during that United States occupation of Haiti, another really significant thing happened, which was the 1919 Spanish flu pandemic, um, which is still, I think, one of the worst plagues in human history. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it was something like 50 million people mm-hmm. died, mm-hmm. maybe more. Yeah, the 50 to 100 million people died and millions more infected. So horrible flu. Uh, the U.S. lost um, a ton of people. I think probably more than have died from the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, but we're catching up. So um, it wasn't an ordinary flu virus. Um, it was notable for killing young adults in high numbers. And it came with super grisly side effects like uh, just massive bleeding from your nose and your yeah, mouth and your terrifying. ears, which is like, oh my God, that's so scary. Um, it would damage your nervous system, your respiratory system. It could cause derangement, delirium. And people who recovered often experienced profound um, like lethargy, like very just mm. listless um, mm-hmm. and suicidal depression, Shit. which I mean... They probably looked like zombies. Yeah, yeah. So this pandemic was brutal. And what ended up happening, because no one expected the amount of dead people, is that bodies were piling up everywhere. People had, we had to go back to digging pits like in the old plague days. It was really terrible. Um, And there's something that happens to the human psyche when you see uh, so much death, mass graves, piles of corpses like this is very traumatic yeah and so during this time um the zombie starts to take hold in the popular culture of the united states notably hp lovecraft was producing tales filled with corpses and and infectious diseases that would result in these sort of lurching flesh eating Mm. invaders who would kill and and leave corpses in their wake. Um, So his most famous story about this was Herbert West reanimator, which is there's a movie called reanimator super classic horror film. It's awesome. Watch it. Um, but Lovecraft makes this character, this terrible doctor, who <laughs> is 
uh, who wants to reanimate newly dead corpses. And a pandemic arrives and this offers um, fresh specimens. Uh, And so these scenes of mass graves, um, piles of bodies. Um, So this doctor has the opportunity to um, dead bodies and uh, work on his project. And he ends up reanimating the corpse of a doctor who died in a hospital during the outbreak. And he creates a proto zombie who escapes and wreaks havoc on the town and goes around killing people and is so scary and that's and a very like Frankenstein's monster yeah, sure. yeah. Um, and so is bad uh, he <laughs> shouldn't good. have done that um, there's other stories that Lovecraft did during this time but um, there is this sort of prejudice that runs through the zombie tradition and mm-hmm. it's um, fueled by these fears of contagion especially during the Spanish flu pandemic but even before the outbreak, um, Lovecraft was not like a great person. <laughs> um, and he believed that foreign foreigners were uh, infecting the Aryan race, <sighs> um, yes, yes, of weakening of the bloodlines. He was xenophobic. Honestly, this kind of tracks with some more recent trends with For the pandemic. Sure. Like yes. the idea that people bring in natural selection and stuff. It's like. Oh yeah, and pandemics are just perfect fodder for the the xenophobic fears, um, and yeah. that's that's yeah. always happens. Yeah. It, there's always a fear of immigrants, uh, non-white people, mm-hmm. racism. Yeah, it's and uh, Lovecraft really was into that. So you know, eventually the figure of the zombie uh, becomes more of like a fun movie trope. So uh, people like George Romero. With Night of the Living Dead, um, one of the first like major zombie movies. There's also um, White Zombie, which came out in the 1930s and mm. is also one of my favorite bands because I love Rob Zombie. Sick. <laughs> um, but this, so this notion of a uh, of a viral zombie, they mm. spread yep. their zombie plague. You become this corpse, and it's and it's a virus, and you get it from contact with the zombie, and then mm. you will become one and. Mm-hmm. Real scary stuff. Very scary. So coming forward to today, the zombie is actually our most popular uh, monster in popular media uh, today because, um, well, there's a lot of uh, interesting connections there, but a dissertation by Heather Castro at Temple University. Good job, Heather. I loved reading your dissertation. (laughs) Um, Connects the zombie prominence in popular culture to um, what she refers to as social trauma in the aughts, basically, like the last two decades. It makes a lot of sense. Um, It does. It does. So what have we experienced in the last two decades? 2001, 9-11, horrible probably the first time that such a insane tragedy was just on live TV Mm. that we all got to watch over and over again. Mm. Um, Rampant pandemics. So HIV, which had been happening since the eighties, bird flu, swine flu, all of the H one N ones, et cetera, Mm. Ebola, terrible. Mm -hmm. All of these have amassed to a death toll of over 
2 million, somewhere around 2,475,000 people or uh, just over 0.03% of the world's population, which is doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a lot. Um, it's it's really, really traumatic. And it is then no surprise that these recurring social traumas have caused the image of the zombie to take the forefront of popular media. All we have to look to is things like The Walking Dead and all of our other fun zombie movies. And so, yeah, last here, I just have a couple of images of some zombie figures in more recent um, artworks there are a couple of artists who have focused on the zombie in some of their uh, contemporary work and often are depicting these figures as more like sympathetic creatures, like usually in more mundane scenes than, um, you know, eating brains. Um, Kim Dorland in 2013 paints zombies or the parents and she paints these two figures that um, she describes as the parents so they are staggering through this blood red forest but they don't really elicit this bloodlust more of like a connection to nature they're a bit sympathetic Um, they look kind of like zombies but they're also the calling them the parents is kind of this bringing it back to humanity and whose parents are they? Are you being pursued by them? Should you kill them? Also, another artist here who focuses on zombies, uh, Jillian McDonald, took a series of uh, photographs of zombie walks, which I don't mm. know if y'all have heard of these, but it's a relatively new popular thing where participants, not that new, I mean, they've been going on for a while, but participants dress up like zombies and parade around and act like zombies. Um, and so this is another realm where you get to see some sympathetic zombies. Um, so by pretending to be zombies, uh, you can make it kind of humorous and and humanizing. Uh, And so here we see as a woman in zombie garb, just taking the subway as as you would, you know, taking the L train in the middle of your subway commute. So the zombie, just to wrap it up, is this vessel for um the displacement of just a lot of fears that we have mm, in yeah. contemporary life contagion and disease we're all living in it right now aging mortality environmental disasters the apocalypse etc um so we are seeing the zombie in our popular media maybe cuz we're comforted and entertained right there's like a sense of control in the stories about the zombies, usually you beat them, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. usually you, yes. you end up eliminating them entirely. There's a potential for mitigating these concerns. So the narratives help us get a sense of control over something like an unstoppable plague, like a 28 days later type of situation. Yep. 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 Um, so the zombie calms our fears of global pandemics and societal collapse 
showing that ultimately these very dangerous creatures, they can be contained and controlled and maybe even cured. Um, So the zombie makes us think about our humanity and what the future might hold. So hopefully we never have a zombie pandemic, (laughs) but But, you know, yeah, (laughs) it says something that that's like such a dominant trope, like Mm -hmm. in film yeah. Because it's something that like we're really mindful of. And I don't think that is going anywhere in terms of like the popular culture interest in it. Yeah. Like, it's just it's just not because it's something like we can relate to. Have you guys seen it? Um the movie Train to Busan? Yes. Oh my god. Fuck. That's my favorite zombie movie. It's so Hands good. Hands down. If y'all haven't seen Train to Busan, fuck. Nat, you got to watch it. What is it? It's a so zombie it's a, movie. It's, it's a South Korean. Korean zombie okay. movie. Dude, they're killing it, man. I know. Blowing us out of the water. Dude, uh, South Korea's been putting out. And it's it's just it's like really it's good. scary. It's action packed. It's like surprisingly like very emotional and like poignant. Mm-hmm. Like at, at the end of it, I was crying. Like, I cried too. Crying. I know. All right. All right. My favorite so character was the, the, that <sighs> cool guy. I'm not gonna spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen he's it. So but cool. <laughs> I was like, man, he was so cool. Uh, anyway, guys, watch that movie. Watch it. Should we take a break? Let's take a little break. Let's take okay. a break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. We're back. We have returned and from zombies to vampires, which I think is a smooth transition because Mm -hmm. the two really do have a lot of elements in common. Mm -hmm. And I think they both can evoke a lot of the same fears that Mm -hmm. are innate in humans. Mm -hmm. And personally, like I think vampires are, a very like symbolically rich monster. They have been believed in since like the beginning of recorded history. And they are believed in like across culture, religion, regions throughout time. And like the belief in these creatures that feed on humans, that feed on humans' blood, flesh, all that is something that is just like very like innate and like animalistic and the kind Hot. of sh- yeah. <laughs> 
Gary Oldman. <laughs> oh my god! In uh, that Dracula when he played Dracula, that oh. that movie <sighs> horny. I mean, so bad. And Keanu Reeves. Why was Keanu Reeves in that? God, he was terrible. He was so bad. He was like, oh no, I'm getting fucked by all these hot <sighs> bitches. <laughs> oh, oh my God. So and that weird. was like, I feel like that movie came out um, after like he was, Keanu Reeves was in this like really corny but hilarious movie called Point Break. Oh, I saw Point Break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, it's a movie where he is an FBI agent. He goes under, <laughs> he goes, <laughs> he goes under, <laughs> He goes undercover to be a surfer because he's infiltrating yeah. a group of surfers yeah, that are robbing yeah. banks. And Patrick Swayze you know. is like the lead guy of the surfer bank. <laughs> <laughs> Great movie. So he like did that. And, and I don't think it was like that. And then immediately the Dracula movie, but like it was just, it was too close. It was too weird. <laughs> but Gary Oldman was an excellent Dracula. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to to talk a little bit about some kind of early, more like ancient civilization concepts, beliefs of vampires. Um, and, you know, there, there are examples of vampires in Mesopotamian civilizations. Uh, the Persians depicted vampires who would attack and suck blood from men on you know excavated pottery shards mm. the babylonians believed in like a kind of demon goddess called lilitu mm. um which in hebrew is lilith which lilith if you know was in the bible adam's first wife who was cast out because she was not subservient yeah. um, to adam but also like in Babylonian and early Hebrew um, lore like Lilith was like this she demon who drank blood and like ate babies and we support her either way yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> here for both <laughs> in India there was the belief in the Waitalas um, and there's like Sanskrit folklore about these creatures that were like bat like and Ooh. and fed on people and you know were hunted by legendary kings and um it was said that so Bram Stoker who wrote uh Dracula mm-hmm. he his family was in India because he was British and you know uh colonizers at be etc and he, it was said that he actually read some of that because it was translated into English. So that could be some some early influence for him there. Nice. Um, the ancient Greeks also believed in vampires. The goddess Hecate, which w- is the three-faced witch goddess. We talked about her briefly in our witches episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had a daughter named Ampusa who was said to seduce men and drink their blood while they slept. Mm. Um, so you know those are just a few examples of ancient mythology that really believed in creatures in gods goddesses you know mythological all kind of powerful beings that fed on humans Mm -hmm. so that's just like a thing that we've collectively believed in and been afraid of for centuries and centuries and centuries Mm -hmm. 
And then we go into the medieval times, and as Jen talked about, you know, 13th, 14th century, like, shit was just really bad. Bad times. Um, you know, plagues, and people people were dying quite a bit. And there came to be this belief in what at the time were called revenants. Mm-hmm. And revenants were the belief in corpses that became animated whether it be like they were animated by like some evil spirit or whatever, but the belief that someone who had physically died could then come out of the grave mm-hmm. and prey upon the living yeah. and feed off of the living. Scary. Very scary. A very, very like real fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and this only got worse. And, and what's interesting to me, cause like when you, when you read, about vampire history lore or you like watch documentaries about it it's it kind of branches off in like two main directions like the first one is like people talk about that guy vlad vlad the impaler sure um who was like a medieval uh transylvanian lord um and he was said to impale his enemies and like feast on their flesh and he is not like the only like guy from history who was said to like dine on his enemies like that that in and of itself isn't all that unique um but he was said to be from the the house of like dragon so like dracul um and cool so like because he had a cool name it is a cool name it is a cool name so like you hear about that and then you hear about like 19th century and like 19th century like obsession with vampires which i will get to briefly but what i think is perhaps even more interesting just in terms of like the time period and kind of like the mentality is like as you go into the 17th century because like prior to the 17th century um you know that that's like pre-science right so like you don't have people who are actively investigating things and is mm-hmm. in the way that we think of science yeah you know it was largely superstition and religious um, motivated yes but as you come into the 17th century it's this weird kind of confluence of enlightenment early science but also still heavily superstitious um, especially throughout swaths of Europe very Christian and at this period is when people became super afraid of one being buried alive and two, the dead coming back to life as these like creatures who would then feed on their family members. And as you have things like plagues, like tuberculosis, it was believed that, hey, if your whole family, except for you and like your son, have died of tuberculosis, dig up the rest of your family members and look to see which corpse is still intact, and there's your vampire. Whoa. And there were all these firsthand accounts of doctors, investigators, priests who were like, yep, this town, we found some vampires. And, and you know, at this time, too, so early in, like, kind of the scientific journey of humanity is that, like, People really didn't understand um, the ways in which bodies decomposed or or 
decompose more slowly rather Mm -hmm. so like they didn't understand like okay if someone dies in the winter you put them in the coffin you put them in the ground Mm -hmm. months later they're still gonna look like pretty good just because of the way that they're preserved right so they would excavate these bodies and they would have like a full head of hair they'd still have skin on the bones um and they have that belief where, you know, you'd put the stake through the heart. And when they would do that, oftentimes the body would let out a groan, uh, which is very God. scary. Objectively. Terrifying. <laughs> but what they didn't know at the time was that even when a body is dead for a long time, it contains a lot of gas. It contains a lot of air. And when you, you know, stab it through the chest, yeah. that's pushing the air out of the body uh. and it lets out a sound I don't mm-hmm. like gas right now like I can't even right? imagine I mean I'm gonna have gas in my body for a long time after <laughs> yeah, I'm dead <laughs> I'm full of a air a long time um so all this this fear around the dead and also that idea of the dead being vehicles of pestilence of plague of disease and the proximity to dead bodies putting you as a living person at risk of your health that all plays into this idea of vampires and like in the 17th and even early 18th century like the idea of vampires weren't really so much these creatures that would like bite on your neck and suck your blood, but they were more like, okay, your daughter who died of tuberculosis, who then turns into this monster who visits your son at night and then he gets tuberculosis. And the only way to save your son is to dig up your daughter's body, cut out her heart and fucking set it on fire and And then give the ashes to your son to put in a tea. Oh, you know? no, don't drink you're that. Like, you're like, that's really the only option? <laughs> like, <laughs> there's not like a... What's, what's plan B? Budget option? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Um, extreme. Very extreme. And like there were cases of this in America, but it was most predominant in Eastern Europe, which mm-hmm. I think is again where we get this concept of like vampires being mm-hmm. like ooh Transylvania mm-hmm. sure Whoa-ho-ho. yeah <laughs> um and there's a case of this Serbian peasant named Pitar Blagojevic Blagojevic I'm sorry pretty good no, that was sounded great to me Thanks. um he died in 1725 and was said to have become a vampire after death killing nine other villagers what what was Peter up to People were just saying he would visit them and um, his wife was like, after he died, he visited me and he asked for some shoes (laughs) and I had to move villages. Sure. (laughs) He had to move the whole villages after that. Damn. But um, he just wanted his shoes. He just wanted his shoes. He's like, give me my shoes and I'll go. Um, And then I'll kill nine people on my way out of town. (laughs) But yeah, so like the the 17th and 18th century, like it, it really... It plays on real fears of death, plague, and disease. The 19th century is where we see the rise of Dracula and the sexy vampire, Mm -hmm. which is still collectively kind of like within our sort of vampire cultural lexicon that, you know, um, vampire fiction is still huge. Yeah. Yeah. 
Twilight's having a huge resurgence right now. I don't get it, but it's happening. Sure, There's sure. no stopping it. Oh, That's man. That's interesting. Oh, man. Ugh. I've um, got thoughts. I've got thoughts about the, like, more contemporary vampire exaltion. Yeah. Yeah. What's and that? Maybe, maybe True Blood? Mm-hmm. I hate that show. I think we're just obsessed Did you with anti-aging. Yeah, we're I obsessed with anti-aging. Bit. That's where we are at socially, oh, at least in the United sense. States. We are obsessed with the idea of anti-aging. And vampire facials. Vampire facials. I want one. Great. Yeah, what don't is we that? all? What is you, that? You, they like take your blood out of you and centrifuge it, and then they put it back on your face. Yeah, literally. I don't so know what it does. They, they take it. They but take I want to do it. They draw your blood. <laughs> they like spin it around a bit. And then they it's infuse like the hemoglobin. it back into your skin on your face. Dude. Okay. So. Um, to like build collagen. Have you guys heard it. of that? Um, I think she was Hungarian. Um, oh, uh, I know who you're talking about. Who like killed uh, hundreds of their young blood. women servants and would bathe in their blood. What was um, that bitch's name? Whoa. Ooh. There are so so many more One productive ways to not age. Bathe <laughs> in a blue. Oh, Elizabeth Bathory. There, there we go. Bathory. Oh, there's That's a metal like a, band they called They should Bathory. just call Wait. that a Bathory facial. <laughs> That's fucked up. Bathory. Wow. Yeah. So she was. Um, she was a Hungarian noblewoman and serial killer. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was accused of torturing. And killing hundreds of girls oh and women God. between 1590 and 1610. That's and then a her, long time. I know, dude. 20 years. In her punishment, she was like put in a tower that was like bricked up. So like she was passed food through like a little slat. At least it, they gave her food. I know, dude. Man. I was like, that's some like Brothers Grimm shit right there. Like, oh, oof, scary. 20 years of just mm-hmm. murdering people and yeah. bathing in their yep. blood. And that mm-hmm. cannot be an easy process. Like, no. let's just acknowledge that. Like, no. draining someone mm-hmm. of their blood and yeah. then bathing in it and then disposing mm-hmm. of that blood. I know. And she all, was said to be like time. a mega beauty. But like, I'm looking at her now and I'm like, mm. <laughs> I've seen better. <laughs> Let me see this bitch. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's all right. I wouldn't like that's. Mm-hmm. I would expect something more if you're bathing in blood oh, cool. on the rag. Yeah, that's, that's a cool picture. Yeah, that's, that's nice. <laughs> anyway, um, whoa. So yeah, but I agree. Like vampires nowadays, they're attractive because it's like an anti aging. And yeah, it's and, like they're frozen yeah. in time. It's like yeah. yeah, isn't that what we're all? Right. After at this point, I guess. Right, right. Shit. But it, it's so interesting because, like, the 19th century is a definite shift in terms of vampires before were always scary. There was, I don't think there was anything sexual or alluring about them at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, when you look at the 19th century, that was a repressed, repressed-ass time. True. Like, very monitored very um constrained and so especially with authors of the time they would write these stories that they were able to like imbue with sexual themes but to do it in a way that was like subtle and socially acceptable 
And before Bram Stoker's Dracula, there was a book prior to that about a vampire um, by an Irish author named Sheridan Le Fanu, and it was called Carmilla. Mm. And it was a story of a young woman who was preyed upon by a female vampire who was obsessed with her. And it obviously had not so this not so subtle theme of like lesbian sexuality, Mm. um, but was veiled in this like Victorian kind of way um that's hot next yeah next book club (laughs) yeah (laughs) and there you know like the first print i have here is based off of that story and it's and you see like there's so many 19th century prints of vampires and they're horny like they're horny yeah dude it's horny there's something yeah they like come and they they oh, sort of like possess your body yeah and, like, take your essence and yeah like, Ooh. yeah Ooh. well and i mean let's just talk for a second like someone's sucking on your neck it right. feels good <laughs> i like uh, it it's not a bad feeling when you want it so and it's just it's so symbolically it's so interesting because like like we talked about it, it embodies the not aging and we yeah. we equate youth to being desirable mm-hmm. um and then on top of that it's like the the whole like neck fixation and it's also penetration you know it's like mm-hmm. fangs penetrating into skin it's the exchange mm-hmm. of yeah fluids <laughs> oh my god I mean, it's true and you know that this idea of something that is dangerous and alluring all at once that is something that is innately attractive Hot. to humans yeah um Jeez. and and i feel like the 19th century is is what really got that and really like catapulted that imagery that association of the vampire and especially in societies like victorian england um where you know it's very religious it's very christian mm-hmm. um and but you have this creature that is like that in many ways is the Antichrist, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's got bat wings, or he can turn into a bat. Mm-hmm. Um, he sucks your blood, which is which is you know, especially if you're looking at Catholicism as a direct um, kind of act against Catholicism, where you're looking at like you know the 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 wine and the blood and Jesus yeah. and all that shit, and you look at the vampire that completely turns that around. Um, that takes your life force out of you mm-hmm. um in and a very ha- hot way yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i know i'm aroused i don't know what to say <laughs> i mean it's just it's the facts <laughs> but yeah it, it's just it's very like i said at the beginning like the vampire is a is a very symbolically rich monster mm-hmm. and um i just finished watching midnight mass on oh, Netflix. My friend was recommending that to me. Mm-hmm. And without giving anything away, but like that really gets into those ideas of Catholicism in particular and blood being this divine essence mm-hmm. um, and how that can get conflated with a creature who subsists off of blood by feeding on humans, but how that's been transformed into this 
sexy, mysterious monster that like there's so much literature about it. I mean, like it was funny too. like in trying to do research on this, like I would do like generic searches like vampires in art or like, you know, I tried looking about like, oh, books on like vampires in art history and like hardly anything popped up. It was all like vampire, like erotic fiction, basically. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I think it's just a really interesting monster and I don't think it's going anywhere from like popular culture in the ways that it gets reconceptualized um, and a figurehead of like what is scary, but what is very alluring. Oh yeah. I love man. I love vampires. Yeah. Yeah. They're cool. They're pretty fucking cool. They're hot. They are. <laughs> I mean, we've made them hot. If they were hot, know. we have now fully made them hot. I'm thinking about like men that I've been attracted to. Oh my god, just... it's such a type for you, Jen. <laughs> do you remember that guy? Yes. Oh god. I mean, I'm not sure we're talking sure about the do. same. No, one, we're talking but... about the same yeah, guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope. I I hope you're doing well out there. <laughs> you know who you are. Blesses. <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> okay take a break yeah (laughs) dreaming of a better sleep tossing and turning is not your destiny and ollie is here to help ollie invites you to sink into sweet sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness more than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Jumbies, vampires, and aliens. Aliens. Ooh, that was a nice little sound wave. Aliens. We're back. We are back. <laughs> We've returned. Here we are. So last last piece of our monster puzzle, we're talking extraterrestrials. Mm. So scary. Yeah. I think we're getting to a place where the term alien is starting to become not politically correct. Word? Because of immigrants? Is that? <laughs> wait, I don't wait, know. Am I being <laughs> wait, hold if on. You are. We'll cut it out. Pause. Cut. I don't know. I had that same thought, and I don't know if that is the reason. The origin of this is Demi Lovato's new show. Oh, I've heard which of I this. I haven't seen because I don't have Peacock. I don't either, but I've heard some of the things that she's talking about. Yes, one of them is yes, the nomenclature. Um, sure. And so I don't know. I'm going right. to use the term for this episode. That's fine. I hope I don't offend anyone. You know what? <laughs> if you want to write us an email being offended about the word alien, go for it. I just, <laughs> you know, pronunciations are hard for me. Committing to saying extraterrestrial every time. That's a mouthful. Alien is not going to work for me. It's just not. You so. guys know what we're talking about. So just, I mean it 
endearingly. I can't believe that this is. Uh, <laughs> I know. Why are we doing this right now? I can't believe this is I'm happening. I'm kind of doing it facetiously a little bit, but um, <laughs> but apparently that is like a real thing. Wow. Um, and I really I was interested in watching Demi Lovato's docu series, so I'm not hating on it. I was actually going to watch it until I realized I had to sign up for a trial and do all of that. Pain. And just it wasn't going to work. Pain. <laughs> <laughs> But, 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 um, there's plenty of content oh, out there. Yes, there on is. This topic. If you have Hulu, so. you can have access to all 14 seasons of Ancient Aliens. Hulu, HBO, Amazon Prime. It's on Net- all those? Netflix. I think it's on um, everything. Well, I'm just listing what all the, the things fuck? that I got different alien mm-hmm. docu-series from. Damn, dude. Yes. I watch alien shit like constantly. It's on everything. I do not. So there was a lot for me to catch up yeah. on because this is not my regular source of entertainment. But <laughs> I quickly slipped in and, you know, assumed the role for this. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so aliens, I, I think the ma- major thing definitely overlaps with the theme of fear. Yes. With fear being the like undercurrent of why people give a shit about aliens Mm -hmm. um add on conspiracy theories because when it comes to aliens i think we're at a place where we can all agree that like we're not alone like it just statistically does not make sense yada 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 disclosure happened and everyone was like whatever Right, because we had all like it was old news by then. Yeah, like, like okay, the Pentagon in the midst of like a bunch of other shit. We were like, okay, yeah. sure, we were like, the, let's slip this in now. I mm-hmm. think the Pentagon is referring to them as UFOs are now unidentified aerial phenomenon. Yeah, UAPs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Less catchy. Very cool. Sure, we'll adapt. I'm sure we always do, but. So, yeah, there's this conspiracy theory element where what's interesting with the docuseries is that it seems to either be predicated on kind of this conspiracy theory attitude and really leaning into that idea that this is all very hypothetical, that this is all like people speculating Mm -hmm. or it's talked about as like straight fact which is right. a very interesting right. juxtaposition as a viewer. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I like experiencing that was a little trippy because I was watching. So I'll just go down the list. I, I watched the J.J. Abrams docuseries on HBO called UFOs. Or maybe it's Amazon. Let me check real quick. J.J. J.J. Abrams. I didn't know he was out here doing that. I know. JJ, what a guy! I always think of Bojack now. <laughs> I think of Bojack for everything. I gotta rewatch that series. I think it's time. I do it weekly. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Nice. That's like me and The Sopranos. That's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I love that. That is your. That's, your that's mine. That you rewatch. I'm constantly, just like oh. I've started saying I've started literally like if someone will say something like outrageous, I'm like, oh, and then it's Mm. like, you're not from New Jersey. You're not an Italian man. Stop it. What part of the boot are you from? (laughs) (laughs) 
So, okay, so the so UFO is on Amazon and Hulu. Sick. So you can watch it multiple places. But Great. that cool. is a four-part docu-series, limited docu-series by J.J. Abrams and wow. Glenn Zipper. And <laughs> it's about aliens. That's awesome. Zipper. Uh, <laughs> For that one, I will say, I'm kind of like jumping all over the place right now. I like where that one ended because it ends on this psychiatrist, John Mack, Mm -hmm. who died in kind of like suspicious circumstances. Mm -hmm. Another, okay, so this is another overlap with conspiracy theories. There's a lot of famous deaths that have been associated through these documentaries with aliens. So like oh. uh, John Kennedy, JK, mm-hmm. uh, Marilyn Monroe, <laughs> both of them, both of their deaths have been conflated with this interesting conspiracy. And Whoa. then they were given information and not able to hold it in. And so then killed for that reason. Huh. Um, Marilyn first, then JFK later. Damn. Yes. So... Yeah, there's just a lot going on when we get to aliens yeah. because this like I haven't even gotten to the actual monster yet like in talking about fears. And so it's just it's a very layered fear system, I guess I would say. Yeah, because there's this notion that the aliens are a real phenomenon that there's powers above the general population Mm -hmm. that are keeping information from us. And then couple that with the fear that there are aliens and that our government is keeping information about them from us. Mm -hmm. So there's these layers of things being kept from us and who is doing the keeping and the secrets to what end Yes, because if the aliens are doing mm-hmm. it, obviously we can infer that's for their own safety, yada, yada, yada. If our government is doing it, for why and all of these, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. because we can't handle it, because it will affect, you know, the economics of our world. Because, Like, there's all of these different things. Yeah. And so then yeah. that's, again, where conspiracies abound, because mm-hmm. there's so many directions you can go. Um and so that's just why this gets so fascinating and honestly terrifying because another aspect that these docuseries introduced was that um, because there is this layer of secrecy that could have to do with the government, there is also the possibility that if there is a like eruption, like if there is uh-huh. an, if there is something that occurs with all of this, we won't know if it's actual extraterrestrials or if it's our government trying to stage something in order to meet a certain end. Mm -hmm. Because if, again, again, this is all coming from these documentaries. This is not coming from my brain. But like, if... The government is trying to hide the existence, the known existence of extraterrestrials, then that would be as a means of control. And so then that could still be something they would continue into trying to control the outcome Mm -hmm. by like, let's say there's no real 
evidence that these beings are confrontational or like want any sort of war with us, but you know, humans want a war. Well, there's they the, could spin it. I was just reminded of the really popular conspiracy theory that in the 1950s, President Eisenhower had some fucking collusion with the greys where they came yes. up with some kind of agreement like oh we'll take this your- is a, this this conspiracy is alive and well the most recent season of american horror story is literally based on this i keep seeing the previews for that on hulu i'm like i don't want to watch that i i didn't get into <laughs> american horror story for the first decade of its existence and then i binged it like mm-hmm. two years ago and i watched all of it and so now i've caught up with the most recent season and why is that clown making out with that alien um, is it a clown <laughs> i think that's just advertising oh <laughs> I know what you're talking about. It's like yeah. the little thumbnail for the show. <laughs> and there's no clown. Oh. The clown, <laughs> I think, is an old character. My brain made it into a clown. No, I no, keep no, 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 no. You're right. Oh, really? I'm saying in the oh. actual season right now, okay. there's no actual Because I keep seeing it on Hulu. And no, I'm no, like, no, what it is, is exactly that? that. That's the thumbnail. <laughs> you're not wrong. It's just oh, misleading. Oh, my goodness. Okay. No, listen. And that's... Okay, so that's another thing. So the gray is this whole idea of... Ooh. We, we talked about it at the very beginning of the episode, but like the visual of aliens that we have and how that feels so fucking random because how would we know? But yet we all kind of have this general visual of aliens. They've got big eyes. They've got like a big head, big, big head, but almost like a heart shaped head. Um, no earlobes, like maybe cavities for the ears, the nose. Yeah. Um, and communicate telepathically they're like in accounts of alien interactions abduction all this stuff there are like people who actually describe them this way and like a lot of accounts and that's the trippy part is like i always assumed that our visual of aliens came from hollywood and no, Hollywood has completely like done their research, quite frankly, in yeah. terms of using what is out there in terms of people like saying they've had encounters. Sure. For all of this stuff, like three feet tall, human shaped, but four fingers, big head, like a lot of the descriptions match the visuals that we have come to know. Yeah. It's super scary to think about. So, like, this idea of, like, archetypes, like, mm-hmm. uh, Jungian, like, collective unconscious type of monsters that, like, these just these, like, things that harken back to our reptilian brains that yeah. we're, like, afraid of, which is, like, you know, people bring it up when they talk about things like the Slender Man or these, like figures that are like very scary to us or like how a lot of people who have sleep paralysis will see like a man with like a top hat it's like why is he wearing a hat you know like these like things and the alien the figure of the humanoid alien with the bulbous head small body is like one of these archetypal collective unconscious like figures Mm -hmm. that it's something is deeply buried yeah and and it was 
weirdly drawn because I think I've always been able to kind of assuage my fear of aliens as something that has very fictionalized. And so actually spending time with people's accounts and like it is not. It is a collective gathering of, you know, information, whether we believe that's real information mm-hmm. or imagined, you know, that's beside the point. This is not coming. This this is not being implanted in us from imaginary places. This is retellings that have come together again and again yeah and there are people who talk about this like it's just straight fact and so like whether you believe it or not that is just compelling like i'm sorry it, it, it just is. is and it's like it it really makes me feel like something happened yes you know yes and um so just to, like to bring it back to art and art history a little bit because i Honestly, I wasn't sure I could. <laughs> like, I was kind of like, this might just go out there. I was and curious. Might just like end our episode like <laughs> way out here, and like that's fine. Machu Picchu. <laughs> no, but but really, like, okay. So the amount of things that we talk about in art history that have been connected back to aliens is very interesting because it's not it's not fact-based like this is all speculation Mm -hmm. but like that's a lot of what art history is so let's let's go yeah okay so my favorites the ark of the covenant oh Mm. oh yeah Mm -hmm. all right big one in ancient aliens um (laughs) so they are likening the Ark of the Covenant which is an ancient biblical item like it was crafted by the Israelites for God mm-hmm. and it was meant to house God on earth. So yeah. a material object meant to be like the dwelling place of God on earth. Yeah. Mobile. It was like a three by five foot box, basically. If you're an art history person, I guarantee you've seen depictions of it being carried on like four sticks by like men on their shoulders Mm -hmm. the israelites carry this around through the desert very prized possession so in ancient aliens this becomes a nuclear device oh ah yes which again fascinating because a lot of the things that it's described as doing can be explained by yeah symptoms of nuclear radiation interesting and it just kind of fits into that idea of like more often than not things are kind of like the more simple answer and it's very interesting to think of these things that were at one point explained as spiritual like religious events mm-hmm. could be explained in things that we understand now in scientific terms. Right. And this is where it gets tricky in terms of like the idea of period I versus yes, like contemporary yes, yes. is you don't want to be disrespectful or dismiss things because of what we know now. But also, what if we could explain things based on what we know now? Yeah. Yeah. And I understand a lot of the harsh criticisms of shows like Ancient Aliens. Totally. Like, well, valid. you know, just because white people didn't make it doesn't mean it was aliens. However, there are some really interesting and compelling yeah. arguments to be made that there maybe was some 
kind of visitation. Mm. I don't know. It's it's interesting. And like, again, we don't have answers, nor do we have the time to even like go there. But if you're interested in this at all, <laughs> check out this show. Season six. I think it's like it. episode We should two. watch it tonight, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to um, get scared. <laughs> a few episodes later, they hit Mount Shasta, which I like. Oh, oh, to talk the Lemurians! About. That's like, yeah. But they didn't get to the Lemurians. How the fuck did they Thank not talk you. about? Them? That's what I'm saying. I got mm. so excited. Literally, Fools. I was fist pumping in my house I'm gonna alone write an at night IMDb when they review. About Mount Shasta, and <laughs> then they never brought up the Lemurians, and I was like, well, that's okay. fucked up. That's a mistake. Opportunity, but okay. So, Ark of the Covenant, good one, and. I, I didn't get into like all the details, but basically, yeah, symptoms of radiation. So like people dying early, like cataracts, like radiation. Sure. Basically, they're describing. Right. It's all on there on Ancient Aliens. Another one. This one was the J.J. Abrams UFO docuseries. Uh, St. Teresa. Ooh. 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 Over here having ecstasy described it as an alien encounter and described the Mm -hmm. the angel as an extraterrestrial being Mm -hmm. yeah i was like interesting Mm -hmm. interesting. again like who's to say it's not that we're sitting here saying that that is the more obvious explanation they're both potentials Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. i was just like oh we brought her into this Hmm. you know yeah this idea of like angels being aliens it's the same idea behind the anunnaki of the babylonians and the sumerians and everything um as being these like creator gods that were aliens essentially yeah. that right. just brought information which sort of birthed this first like complex civilization you know first being debatable but Anyway, but I also yeah. like I guess where I'm kind of like really into this idea is because what is the difference between deciding that early civilizations were influenced by gods or extraterrestrial beings? Yeah, which is what this kind of comes down to a yeah. lot. Like there was an episode yeah. that was also about um, uh, ancient Olympians and like Mount sure. Olympus sure. and sure. yeah, the clouds and the uh lightning and all of that yeah. being aliens right. up in the mountains because that was like the best place mm-hmm. to be so i don't know it's just it's i think it's real it's it's very interesting <laughs> and as corny as it is like uh marvel's version of thor mm-hmm. as like that like the Hollywood Norse does their research. This is what I'm learning and giving. Like this is where I want all the credit to go to. Yeah. So what does Thor say? But like, <laughs> just <laughs> what does Thor say? Um, but just just in terms of conceptualizing like Norse gods as mm-hmm. actually being extraterrestrial, like an extraterrestrial civilization, um, I think is very interesting. Yes. Boom. See, <laughs> just to think about it. It's interesting to think about. It's interesting. Yeah. It, yeah. It's fascinating. And then it kind of like, I, I touched on this at the very be- beginning, but it gets into like psychology a little bit. And um, there's, you know, the, the major period of UFO sightings, alien abduction stories is kind of like the 50s is when that like started a little earlier, maybe. Um, so there's a lot of talk about this in terms of trauma 
and like all of this, people just having abnormal or less than common reactions to traumatic events, to Mm -hmm. things happening. Um, But it's also so interesting. And we know at this point that like, there's so many universes and things out there that the possibility of us being the only living things is just so, so small. Um, But yeah, coming back to visuals and um, visual representation, more often than not, they're similar to us. From time to time, I think we see things more imaginative, like um, Star Wars gets into some like crazier looking... uh, aliens that look nothing like us uh sure rick and morty also does a great yeah, job love that show making all sorts of different uh extraterrestrial multi-dimensional creatures which is super fun and i just like that that's i think where i get excited is regardless of what we actually can confirm just talking about like the possibilities of all of this yes. and what what it could yes. mean and yeah. I feel like in our lifetimes we are going to end up getting some hard confirmation on Oh, I hope something to do with this because there's also the theory that what we perceive as extraterrestrials could be intradimensional mm-hmm. which is actually thought to be more likely just mm-hmm. considering how just how vast space is yes. and mm-hmm. like how it would just take so long for some extraterrestrial civilization to make contact with us or that what we perceive as extraterrestrials could be like robots, like artificial intelligences. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and which is, you know, pretty, I'm afraid of AI. That yeah. shit freaks me Same. out. Yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. And again, a lot of fear wrapped up in this, like a big fear that comes up with aliens is the idea of humans being abducted and impregnated. Oh, like that's a recurring <laughs> fear. Or just having stuff um, done again. to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It comes up like, again. In, uh, um, don't probe me, bro. <laughs> yeah. Probe. I don't want to be probed. Yourself. Don't do it, please. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's. It's interesting. Watch this most recent season of American Horror Story. I guess I'll watch it. I just yeah, thought it was have. like I just thought it had to do with a clown and an alien, and I was like, "That looks stupid. I don't want to watch that." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like this show, and to be honest, like they get a little corny sometimes, which can like irk me at moments. But they do generally do their research pretty well. So like they'll they lean into the corny horror like aspect of not I don't know, just not always making like the best jokes and stuff but in terms of the information they're bringing forth like they do their freaking homework they connect the dots they make it interesting and watch ancient aliens if you're out here (laughs) we're gonna watch it tonight be critical but watch it yeah yeah it's just good entertaining television and sometimes they make really good like sometimes they have some legitimate ass like scholars and scientists and stuff on there and it's really interesting stuff What's what's the quote? Oh my god, we almost made it. Without- oh yeah, ancient astronaut theorists <laughs> <laughs> that Machu According Picchu astronaut theorists, and then like they don't answer the question. Like no. they're just like 
go on to the next Their thing. Their legal like, team does half the writing sure. of that show. <laughs> um, I just love that term, ancient astronaut theorist. Like, Me too. I want to be one. A thousand times in the last 48 hours. God, that's all I've been watching. Good on you. And I got to watch that J.J. Abrams. Uh, Same. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Aliens. So scary. Um, I would say that of all the monsters that I that we've talked about today and that um, I've just have been privy to in being alive. I don't know why that came out so weird. But I liked it. I like it. <laughs> um, aliens, extraterrestrials are the scariest to me um, just because it's the fear of obviously the unknown, but the, the fear is also that there's some sort of like advanced civilization mm. that's going to come to us yes. that are going to be, that are leaps and bounds beyond anything we can comprehend yeah, which, as far as technology goes. And, you know, hearing people like Stephen Hawking, who used to say that like, if, you know, he was really against like SETI, like the sending the signals out into space, trying to see if anyone would contact us because he said, if there's a society of extraterrestrials that have mastered space travel, mm. they have done so with the intention of looking for other homes to inhabit yes. resources. So this is where it gets super interesting too, because this is where like, okay, so the idea that no matter what, if like, okay, so even if we all agree that there are extraterrestrials and like that is a given, we're cool with that understanding their motives are not necessarily going to be clear to us because even if they are not confrontational motives it is within the interest of our governments to make us think that they are so that is that's why there's like this conspiracy theory that even that if there is some potential attack, that it could be real or not real because it's in the interest of our government to make us think mm. that alien intruders mm. are an enemy. Mm -hmm. What would be the interest? It seems like it would just cause a lot of shenanigans. Just like <laughs> like a common enemy, like uniting under a common oh, yeah. enemy. That's getting the people plot of uh, Watchmen. It's a plot of like, every fucking movie that has to do with aliens unfortunately like that is that's the thing is it brings us together because now we have a common enemy or well not watchmen the movie but watchmen the um the graphic novel because the movie fucks up that ending and i will never watch it again okay yeah period sure banned that's fair anyway um super scary and super i scary. hope that they do come in peace but more than likely we would be like bugs to them that yeah. they just want to squash so they can harvest our resources i don't know or See, steal our son like, some of these documentaries it's funny spheres. like you can feel the oh. way they kind of want to persuade you um and some make it seem like that they really are chill as fuck yeah. and that they have no interest in that like yeah. i hope we're like a zoo to them well that's the thing it's like we are so low technologically yeah. compared to them that they have no interest in like fucking Doing with anything. us yeah there there were some 
people trying to make it sound like they're mostly concerned with what we're doing and our violent nature. Hmm. I've heard, especially like, because like, well. we, we've like thrown nuclear bombs up into the atmosphere and stuff. And apparently yeah. there have been like responses to that in ways that have made Weird. people like, like, oh, interesting. What, like, what does that mean? Um, and potentially it means that aliens are like, dude, stop stop like it. especially if it, we do live in like a multi-dimensional yeah universe where like that oh, could be boy. fucking up a whole nother reality in like a very real Maybe. way and we're just like mm, what is that was that do mm. everyone should go back and listen to the end of the world of josh clark uh he talks a lot about like extraterrestrials being an existential threat yeah. and i was scared i was at work not doing work mm. and listening to but then also the question the that fear because are we trying to be are we being controlled by being made to fear something <laughs> natalie's been indoctrinated <laughs> can you she tell? watched 48 can hours of alien documentaries <laughs> and she is now indoctrinated it's all oh, a big team ruse. get out all right well <laughs> jenny's like you know, done. there's a lot of food for thought here. Yeah. Uh, and I think if it were me and if I had to choose one creature that we discuss in this episode to encounter, uh, I think it'd vampire. be the, well, not necessarily that, but I would, I'd be like, all right, you know, um, tell me your stories in exchange for a small vial of blood. Just a small one. I would definitely want to encounter the vampire. The yeah. zombie's just gross. Too gross. I don't, and where you the alien get, is too like, real. Not <laughs> yeah, exactly. The zombie's gross. I don't want to be eaten. Mm. The alien is going to put something in my butt, and I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. And no pros. the vampire might put something in my butt, <laughs> but at I least it'll that. be fun. <laughs> Anyway, cut that out. <laughs> um, well, I hope that everyone has enjoyed this episode about our um, just random ass monsters you know, that we've been thinking about. Of imagination, things. nightmare, uh, fantasies, all of the above. We hope you're enjoying your spooky season. Um, we hope that you have a safe time out there. Everybody, you know, take it easy. Take it easy. <laughs> we, we prescribe it. Yeah. yeah. Well, we love you. We love you. We love you. Till next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. The art history <laughs> anyway that in Mike. oh my god oh my god well she doesn't listen to our podcast so it wouldn't matter <laughs> uh nah okay nah 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 nah, nah. <laughs> so Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.